hrajte, te permeni muzičen ka hrajte Oj za raj, kole raj, škole čorni brovi maj Kjese ti, jako mene, prejte skjate kole mene Te permeni muzičen ka hrajte, te permeni muzičen ka hrajte From Edmonton, Alberta, that was Millennia from their third CD called Bracia. And that song was Dance Till Dark. Itakem živavam i veselam tempom rozpočala našu programu. Dobri večer, dorahi radio suhečita, vitaju vas vsih na radio predaču naš holos radio Krinskoho Korenja, katera podajete vam jak svečajno što sobote na radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri i pomereži PCJ radio Mišno Rodnemu. Pre mikrofoni jak svečajno Pavlina Makori, djakuju što rišile perebuta zimnoju nastupnu hodenu. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. I'm your host, Paula Demchik-McQuarrie, Pokrinske Pavlina. Thank you so much for joining me. Another great program lined up for you in this hour. A couple of items from the uh, Nash Holos Audio Archives. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage will relate the story of Metropolitan Sheptitsky as well. A book review and this is a fantastic book that tells the intriguing story of a situation that sort of set the stage for a series of spy novel thrillers. So stay tuned for all of that as well, our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and of course, plenty of great Ukrainian music. And coming up next, Sluhai from Winnipeg with that classic favorite, Tishmena Piedmanula, You Deceived Me. Ты же меня не пипанула, 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 ты же меня не пипанула,
Thanks to the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shevchenko Foundation has been investing in the future of the Ukrainian-Canadian community for over 50 years. Since 1963, the Shevchenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage. These include fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. The Foundation strives to become the premier not-for-profit foundation in a Canada which acknowledges the Ukrainian-Canadian community as a fundamental component of Canadian society. Nash Hollis listeners are encouraged to support this vision through continued donations into the future. To apply for grants, make a donation, or for more information, visit ShochenkoFoundation.com.
band, a rock jazz group that was very popular uh, about a decade or so ago from Kiev. They're called Kobza, and that was Kalena. Up next, another group from Ukraine. They are called Jedala. Here they are with a Polish folk song that has been adopted by Ukrainians. It is called Hey Sokole. Corner Book Reviews by Myra Junik Ukrainian Stories in English In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing Serhii Plotky's non-fiction thriller The Man with the Poison Gun, a Cold War spy story. The Man with the Poison Gun, Serhii Plotky's first non-fiction thriller, focuses on the life of Bogdan Stashinsky the assassin who killed Stepan Bandera and Lev Rabbit. The very first paragraph sets up a shocking comparison between fiction and real life. 
In the fall of 1961, while David Cornwell, a British spy, more commonly known as Jean Le Carré, was contemplating the writing of his first best-selling novel, The Spy Who Came In From the Cold. The West German police were actually interrogating a Soviet spy. That spy was Bohdan Stashinsky. His story begins in 1949, in post-war Ukraine, when Nikita Khrushchev, then the party boss of Ukraine, decided that he needed to destroy the Ukrainian resistance by killing the leader of the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists, Oun Stepan Bandera. Bandera had spent years in Polish prisons and the German concentration camp of Schassenhausen. His followers were now headquartered in Munich, the center of the American occupation zone in Germany. In early 1950, Bogdan Stashinsky was arrested by the Soviets for a minor offense and given an ultimatum. Cooperate with the Soviets and become a traitor to Ukraine or face prison time and possible death along with his entire family. Bogdan chose to become an agent of the Soviets. Stashinsky returned from Lviv to his native village and told his relatives that the secret police were hot on his heels. Everyone agreed that under the circumstances he had no choice but to flee to the forest and join the guerrillas. His initial task involved betraying members of the Ukrainian underground, which led to arrests and assassinations. When Stashinsky's family found out the truth about what he had done, Stashinsky had nowhere to go. He had saved his family by betraying it. They did not want to have him around anymore. The secret police would become his new home and family. As an agent of the Soviet secret police, Bogdan would be trained in spycraft and assassination techniques. His weapon was a poison gun, which would immediately kill his target with undetectable poisonous fumes. His initial target in Munich was Lev Rebet, a troublesome Ukrainian journalist. The KGB described Rebet as an intellectual leader of the Ukrainian nationalists who wrote articles inciting Ukrainians to fight against the Soviet occupiers. Stashinsky killed Rebet on October 12, 1957. After his initial success, he was given a more important target, the leader of Oun, Stepan Bandera. Bandera's assassination was more complex because of his bodyguard, and it involved following the Ukrainian leader for weeks on end. However, Stashinsky eventually saw his opportunity when Bandera was alone after a shopping trip and murdered him on October the 15th 1959, in the stairwell of his home. At first, authorities were mystified by Bandera's death, calling it a stroke or a possible suicide. The poison that killed Bandera left no trace, so it was not until Stashinsky defected to West Germany that he revealed how Bandera died. In order to stay in the West, Stashinsky had to convince German authorities that the KGB wanted to kill him 
because of what he knew about the Soviet assassination plots. He was eventually tried for the murders of Rabat and Bandera, and his trial opened up the truth to the world for the very first time. The Man with the Poison Gun is a very interesting book about post-war Soviet and European politics. Khrushchev's role in the deaths of Rebet and Bandera was shocking to the world community at the time. Today, the attempted assassination of Ukraine's President Viktor Yushchenko and the successful assassinations of journalist Alexander Litvinenko in London, Sergei Magnitsky in a Russian prison, and Boris Nemtsov on a bridge in Moscow are brutal reminders that the strategies of the post-war KGB are still alive and well in Russia. Plotky was able to write his book because of the information he gathered from Stashinsky's trial testimony, as well as recently released historical documents such as KGB and CIA archives. His extensive notes will be very useful to anyone wanting to know more about post-war Ukrainian resistance. Plotky is a historian, not a writer of spy thrillers like John le Carré or Ian Fleming, and he has difficulty describing Stashinsky's moral qualms about killing his victims. He tells readers that in his early days as a Soviet agent, Bogdan was confused since he had been raised as a Christian. The idea of killing another human being was difficult for him to contemplate. However, Bogdan did proceed to kill both Rabbit and Bandera, regardless of his confusion. Despite these issues, Plotky's book is an interesting and revealing expose of Stashinsky's life as a Soviet agent and his role in the murders of Rabbit and Bandera. Readers will be surprised to learn that Ian Fleming actually modeled part of his novel The Man with the Golden Gun on the actions of Bogdan Stashinsky. Although The Man with the Poison Gun is Serhii Plotky's first non-fiction thriller, he has written extensively on the history of Ukraine and Eastern Europe. His most recent works include The Gates of Europe, A History of Ukraine, The Last Empire, The Final Days of the Soviet Union, and The Cossack Myth, History and Nationhood, in the Age of Empires. Plucky was born in Russia to Ukrainian parents, but grew up and went to school in Ukraine. He received his PhD in history from Kiev University. He was a professor of history and associate director of the Peter Yatsik Center for Ukrainian Historical Research at the University of Alberta. He is currently the Mikhail Khrushchevsky Professor of Ukrainian History at Harvard University. The Man with the Poison Gun is available at Chapters Indigo and Amazon. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
band couldn't resist bringing Millennia back for another number. That was from their most recent CD, Bud Mohe and Kukuriku. This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. Every day, more Ukrainian soldiers are killed or wounded by Russian invaders. You can help wounded heroes by joining the Adopt-A-Soldier program of registered charity Ukraine War Amps. A small monthly donation goes very far for medical services and living expenses and creates a special bond between you and a wounded hero. 100% of your contribution goes to the soldier. Please, adopt a soldier today. Visit ukrainewaramps.ca or find us on Facebook. Ciao, 
from Toronto, Ontario. That was Zubrivka from their first CD. And that is called Znovuv Doma, Home Again. And the song was Chomta Nepre Show, Why Didn't You Come? And coming up next is another Canadian group. And this is uh, pretty close to home here. The group is from Nelson, BC. And they are called Heavy Shtetl. And uh, here they are with their Klezmer group, obviously. And uh, here they are now with... Uh, Klezmer tune was sort of a Ukrainian connection. Odessa Bulgarish. <laughs> Up next, a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now. Brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter Initiative, based in Toronto, Ontario. No harm will come to you here. You are safe. Lily Pullman says she will remember these words till the end of her days, along with the memory of a giant of a man gently reassuring her after experiencing the horror of Nazi brutality. Over 150 other Jews who survived the Holocaust in Ukraine have similar memories. Three of them share their personal recollections of that gentle giant, Metropolitan Archbishop Andrei Count Sheptitsky, in a documentary film called Saved by Sheptitsky. Released in 2012, the film was produced by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Canada. Metropolitan Sheptitsky was born in 1865 to an aristocratic family in Prilbici, a Ukrainian village near Lviv, then part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. 
1891, he left behind his privileged life to become a Ukrainian Catholic cleric. He was made bishop in 1900 and shortly afterwards became Metropolitan, the top hierarch of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church. Metropolitan Sheptitsky is known, for very good reason, as the savior of Jews during World War II. Defying extreme danger, he used the administrative structure of the Ukrainian Greek Catholic Church to cheat the Nazis. Over 240 Ukrainian priests and nuns risked their lives hiding Jewish children. Metropolitan Sheptitsky sheltered 15 Jews, including a rabbi, in his own residence. In the film, Saved by Sheptitsky, Lily Pullman recalls meeting the Metropolitan with her mother. She watched tears spill silently from his eyes as her mother told him how the Nazis murdered the rest of her family, including Lily's younger sister. Afterwards, she remembers the Metropolitan issuing strict instructions that mother and child never be separated. They never were. The process of integrating Jewish children was as difficult as it was dangerous. Oded Amaranth was one of three Jewish boys placed in an orphanage headed by Daniel Timchina. Oded recalls the lengths Timchina went to, even at bath time, to ensure the Jewish identity of the three was hidden from the other children. Thoughtful consideration, resourcefulness, and the utmost discretion ensured that these Jewish children disappeared into the woodwork, if not from sight. As a confused and frightened seven-year-old boy, Leon Hamidis instinctively knew his life depended on adapting to this strange new world. He learned the language and mannerisms of a typical Ukrainian boy, including how to cross himself and behave in church. Years later, he learned that hidden in the attic of a house he passed on a regular basis was a child who went on to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Metropolitan Sheptitsky saved not only the lives of these children, but also their Jewish identities. Not one Jewish child saved by Sheptitsky was converted to Christianity. Many Ukrainians who sheltered Jews are recognized by Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Martyrs and Heroes Remembrance Authority, as righteous among the nations. Metropolitan Andrei Sheptitsky, however, is not. A dwindling yet passionate number of the Jews saved by Sheptitsky is pressing Yad Vashem to bestow this well-deserved honor upon the Metropolitan. The group is led by Oded Amaranth. Lily Pullman points out that Metropolitan Sheptitsky was the only church hierarch who protected Jews from the Nazis. She and Dr. Leon Hamidis both recall the Talmud quote, which Yad Vashem itself invokes, Whosoever saves one life saves the world entire. In just 24 minutes, this film delivers a poignant and powerful message, and the closing words of Dr. Hamidis reverberate throughout the rolling of the credits and long afterward. Saved by Sheptitsky is being screened at Limud FSU festivals this year in Ukraine and Canada. These gatherings bring together young Russian-speaking Jews from around the world to explore their East European roots and strengthen their Jewish identities. In Lviv, the screening will be one of three panels hosted by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter at Limud FSU Ukraine, taking place from November 5th to the 8th.
On November 21st, it will be screened at Limud FSU Canada at Blue Mountain Resort near Toronto. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. In Toronto, I'm Andriy Holovaty. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com.
and another Ukrainian group there called Svitozare and singing a song in Ukrainian about uh, the United States. The song is called Ameretsky Krai, America Land. And up next is a Canadian group singing a song in Ukrainian about Canada or going to Canada, more to the point. And the group is called Molodsi. They're from Winnipeg. Here they are now with Hopshoop Canada.
Winnipeg, that was Kalena with the Grassroots Waltz, and before them, the Interlake Polka Kings from the Interlake area of Manitoba, and that was the Swamp Lake Polka. Next up, Mickey and Bunny with Chorini Oriol. Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver and in international syndication on PCJ Radio International. In between broadcasts, please visit us online at www.nasholos.com to find transcripts and archived audio files, a link to the Nasholos podcast and information about the show. And if you feel it is worth supporting, there is a link to our Patreon site there as well. And our proverb of the week translates as falsehood and truth live in the same neighborhood. Well, with that, we've come to the end of our program. So to wrap things up, the Canadian Rhythm Masters from Winnipeg with the Great Plains Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM1320 CHMB. Thanks for listening and Dobranich.
Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. 